If any of you are surfers, man, can you imagine that? That's a 65-foot wall of water, a wave. I, I wonder, did the dude on the ski, uh, jet ski, did he get away safely because he had to tow the guy out there on that surfboard? I can't even begin to imagine to describe what that guy on the surfboard had to have experienced, but that had to be a unique opportunity, wasn't it? I'm sure there must have been excitement and, and, and at the same time a little bit of intimidation on a wall of water 65 feet high, and there he is, experience of a lifetime. Well, it must have been something like that when Jesus cast the vision about the kingdom of heaven because it brought about a movement in some young people, and, and it did start with young people, of excitement that brought them to him. As he came to them, they were brought to him. Right after we hear Matthew give us this uh, inaugural address of Jesus as he cast his vision and, and talked about the kingdom, then he encounters these guys on the seashore who are fishermen, you know, James and John and Peter and Andrew, and he calls them and says, come and follow me and I, you will be fishers of men. And immediately they drop their nets and they follow him. And, and why was that? Well, it was because it was a new adventure that was open to them. It was a new possibility. They heard something in Jesus that they never heard before. They saw something in him that they'd never seen before. And they responded with a sense of excitement. And can you imagine what they experienced? They walked with Jesus as they heard him teach and preach. And they watched him as, they, as he performed the miracles that he did. You know, bringing sight to the blind, allowing people who were, who were lame to be able to walk, and those who couldn't hear to hear, and those who couldn't see to see. And he raised the dead in their sight, and they saw all of that. And so they gladly followed. It was a wonderful experience of excitement. And my parallel for that for us is the simple fact that maybe in the concept about the kingdom of heaven for us is just sometime in the future, and we get excited only about that. And in the meantime, we're just kind of putting in our time here. That wasn't the way it was with the disciples. They were absolutely caught up in the excitement of something new, a new adventure, and what it meant for them. And what did it mean for them? Well, it meant that they would hear things they'd never heard before. They would see things that they'd never seen before. They would do things that they'd never done before. They would go places that they had never been before. And the same thing can be true of us as well. And so for that, there's some kingdom implications for us that we need to understand when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is near. Here's the first one for us. The kingdom of heaven is within us. You know, the kingdom of heaven is both present and its future. But the reality for us is today, we need to understand that the kingdom of heaven, as Jesus talked about it, is within us. When we have Christ as our Savior, when we allow Him to be the Lord of our life, but we allow him to be the sovereign reigner in our life and the sovereign king. And we're part of the kingdom of heaven and that kingdom is within us. There was an occasion recorded in Luke's gospel chapter 17 verse 20 when the Pharisees were asking Jesus about the kingdom of God and when it would come. And Jesus replied, the kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation. Nor will people say, here it is or there it is because... The kingdom of God is within you. See, the kingdom of God is within you if you are in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the implication for that means that life in the kingdom of God ought to be exciting. It ought to be the most fantastic experience you could ever have in your life. Sure, that there should be some moments of fear if God calls you to step out of your comfort zone. 
Uh, but at the same time, there also should be some times of excitement uh, and, and exhilaration about the f- simple fact that God deemed you worthy to be a part of his kingdom. And he sent Jesus to die for your sins so you could live in relationship with him. And the kingdom of heaven is within you. And the implications then for us are this, and that is that we live in this world as citizens of this world, but at the same time, we also live as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And we are literally ambassadors for God and for the kingdom of heaven as we live in this world. Uh, This week, in fact, Tuesday, uh, we kick off the uh, Feeding Children Everywhere event um, at Chick-fil-A. And uh, we will have ambassadors, I think at least 36 from the life of our church, just like we did last year. Uh, we'll be there Tuesday from 9 in the morning till 9 in the evening. Make your plans to go by there. And those of you who have signed up to be ambassadors, thank you so much for doing that again. And, and remember this, though, that as you go to Chick-fil-A, you are ambassador for the kingdom of heaven. You're representing also Spring Valley Baptist Church. Now, Chick-fil-A, being a Christian organization, has given us a lot of leeway in what you can do. You can greet people. You can talk to them about Jesus. You can pray with them. That's exciting things that you can do. But also, at the same time, there are some other things that you are under uh, their, their authority there in their kingdom there at Chick-fil-A that they might not want you to do. So, listen to what you can and you can't do. But see, all of that is a reminder to us that when you go there uh, as an ambassador, you're representing, you're representing the kingdom of heaven and you're doing it somewhere where you're not used to doing that. And the same thing is true with all of us. While we're citizens of this world, we're also citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And that kingdom is within us because it yet hasn't come completely into this world. But we're to be ambassadors representing that kingdom where we live in this world. And basically the fact is, wherever God's rule is, there is his kingdom. And our responsibility should be to make sure that the rule of God The kingdom of heaven is in more and more places. And that leads us to the second implication then about this kingdom that Christ is talking about. And that implication is that the kingdom of heaven is a vision for our culture now. See, the the kingdom of heaven is a vision for our culture now. See, when the disciples caught that vision that Jesus cast in his inaugural uh, speech or sermon, whatever you want to call it, There was that sense of excitement in them that they were described as being people, a movement that were literally turning the world upside down. I think that we miss that fact that if we are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, that that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're not just supposed to sit back and wait until we enter heaven for all eternity, but that we're supposed to be doing everything we can to bring heaven to earth while we live. And our ministry should be that. And yeah, we should be involved in ministry every day. We as believers of Christ, we have a ministry to do. We're supposed to bring that heavenly concept into the world in which we live. In fact, think about this. What would our world look like if the kingdom principles were applied on earth today? See, that that goes to the fact that the vision of the kingdom is a vision for now. So what would it look like if the kingdom principles were applied to our culture today? Would there be wars in 12 different countries on our planet like there are now? Would 30,000 people 
die from starvation every day, even though there's more food available to feed everybody on the face of the planet every day, and most of it is thrown away, would still 30,000 people die from starvation every day? We've heard a lot about sanctuary cities lately. Would our neighborhoods be safe and be sanctuaries from evil and from violence and from discrimination? Would it make a difference in our kingdom if the kingdom principles were at work in your neighborhood? Would big business and little businesses be run differently under God's rule? And then let me ask you this question. Would church life be different? What would church life look like if we really sought the vision of kingdom principles on earth rather than our own personal selfish agenda? Would it make a difference? Absolutely. Absolutely. So we live in two kingdoms. We have our feet in this rebellious, sinful, broken world. But our true citizenship is in the kingdom of heaven. And while we live here physically, we're supposed to do everything we can to bring the kingdom principles. That was Jesus' vision for when he lived and taught, to bring all of those kingdom principles into play in the culture in which we live. But I think a lot of us have just gotten kind of complacent about that that we get so caught up in the other things in life that all we can think about with the kingdom of heaven is that that's to come later. That's when I die and that's where I spend eternity and I get my ticket punched for that and I'm good to go. And the rest of it is just whatever happens day by day. I guess one of the reasons that Karl Marx said that, that religion was the opiate of the masses, that people were just living for a pie in the sky and a sweet by and by. In a lot of cases, that's true. That's true. But the reality is that if we are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, then every day, basically, we ought to wake up asking God, what is your vision for my life today? See, the kingdom of heaven should be God's vision for your life. Every day we ought to be asking God, God, what do you want me to do today? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to say? How do you want me to minister to people today? He said, that ought to change our prayer request, shouldn't it? You know, every week, every Sunday, we have deacons and sometimes other people who join them down in our prayer room. And uh, some of you, many people turn in prayer cards, those cards that you find in, in your pew. And you know the bulk of what's on those prayer cards? Same thing as most every other church. It's basically physical concerns, physical needs. And, and you know, nothing wrong with that. We, we should be praying for the physical needs of people. But if that's all that we do, you know, the saying about Baptist churches that get prayed for in a Baptist church, you've got to be either sick, dying, or dead. There's nothing about praying for, for lost and brokenness. There's so much of that that we need to be praying for that. What if our prayer request actually focused on the greatest need out there? And that is about the sinfulness and the brokenness that's in our culture, even in our community right around us. I don't know who the person was, but there was a card turned in last week because we get those, I get them at the end of the day on Sunday and on Monday morning in staff meeting uh, during our devotion time. We pray over those prayer cards or those requests that have been turned in. And, and last week someone turned in a prayer request card and this was what was on, on the card. I read it and I said, thank you, God, 
because I believe this person has the right concept of the kingdom of God. Here was the request, very simple. For God to give me the right words to say to those who are lost and who question my faith. See, I think if we had a kingdom vision for now, it would change our attitude about our life. It would change our attitude about our prayer. It would change our attitude about what we do and where we go. See, we, we would see ourselves as, as part of the kingdom, bringing these kingdom principles to earth. And would it make a difference? You betcha. Because where God rules and where God reigns, then everything is submissive to him. I think that's what had those disciples so excited about the kingdom of heaven. It was a fresh concept, a brand new idea with the way that Jesus brought it about. And for those of us who are part of that kingdom, it still should be a fantastically exciting concept to think that we have the opportunity to work with God, to partner with God, to bring to this world kingdom principles that will make a difference. Here's the third implication about the kingdom of heaven being near, and that is that the kingdom of heaven is about a future glory. We know that one day that, that kingdom is going to reign on earth. Some of us might live for that kingdom to take place. Some of us might die and go to meet God before that kingdom comes. We don't know. The reality is we don't, we don't know when Jesus will return and establish that kingdom on earth. He told us very clearly that the angels don't know, and he doesn't know, only God the Father knows. Now think about this. I think this is a profound theological thought. You think about the, the perfect unity with the Trinity being God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're three in one, right? Three in one. I mean, we can't even really adequately define that. You really can't wrap your hands around that or your mental capacity around that. Something you have to really believe. You have to have that by faith, okay? So think about this concept that Jesus doesn't know, but God does know. Now, how is that possible if they're three in one? That's an, I just think that's a profound theological concept. So we don't know when Jesus is going to come. Probably every one of us that has a car or drives one or looks in the mirror on one, there's usually a, an extra little circle on your, on your side mirrors, that, and there's usually something written on your mirror, though, that says what? Objects in your mirror are closer than they appear. But then we might, might say then that we look at what's going on in our culture today and you might say, you know what? The kingdom could be closer than we've ever thought. I think that's an exciting thought. I look forward to that. I look forward to eternity. I look forward to heaven. But I also look forward to every day because that's when God gives us the opportunity and gives me the opportunity to do something for him about that kingdom until that time. See, there is a future kingdom coming. There is that glory of the kingdom that's yet to come. Uh, John saw this vision in Revelation eleven fifteen that says, The kingdoms of the world have become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ, and He will reign forever and ever. And we should all say amen to that. We look forward to that. That's when the kingdom will be fulfilled. So what do we do in the meantime? In the meantime, we realize that we live between the inaugural address of Jesus about his vision of the kingdom and the consummation 
of his vision when the kingdom literally is fulfilled. And Christ reigns and rules on earth in a literal kingdom for all eternity. And the time that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, what do we do? Well, here, here are the implications for you. If you are not a believer in Christ, if you've not yet come into the kingdom, if the kingdom of God is not within you, then you need to hear what Jesus said. His last line was, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent means to turn from your sins, turn away, and come back to God. And so you need to repent of your sins, confess those sins, and accept Christ as your Savior. Then if you are a believer, if you're a Christian, you ought to realize that the kingdom of heaven is in you. And from now until either God calls you home or until Jesus comes to establish his kingdom, then you should wake up every day with a sense of excitement about, I wonder what God's going to use me to do today. What new thing can I experience for God? What new thing can I do for the glory of God? Who can I pray for? What brokenness can I touch? What sinfulness can I bring hope and light to through the power of God and the kingdom of heaven? See, every day we should be on mission for the glory of God because the kingdom of heaven not only is near but is in you who believe. So there's that kingdom implication for us as we begin looking at this concept of the kingdom. Next week, Lord, we'll start looking at some of these parables that also have significant kingdom impact for us as, as we think about these implications. But today I hope that the challenge is there. This is, the, this is an exciting time to be a part of the kingdom. The kingdom is still an exciting time because it's about God. It's about God's reign. It's about God's rule. And it's about the power of God that he can bring to work in your life and in the life of others as we use these kingdom principles and say, God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? How do you want me to be about your kingdom business today? Let's let that be our prayer as we move through this new year for the glory of God. Father, we give you thanks for this new year, uh, and we confess that we know that we don't know what, what the future holds, but only you do. And so help us to have a sense of excitement about what is yet before us and an anticipation about what you're going to do that maybe we're not even aware of but that you allow us to be a part of. But if there's even one today who's not a part of the kingdom and needs to come to make that decision and, and to experience that joy, may they come today and confess Christ as Savior. And for those of us who are a part of your kingdom, who have your kingdom within us, Lord, help us to have a different attitude as we leave here today. Help us to see the world around us in a different way, that this is where your vision is at work for us to bring your kingdom principles to work here on earth for your glory. Lord, help us to see that this is an exciting time, an exciting thing to be a part of. Let us see things we've never seen before. Let us hear things we've never heard before. Let us do things we've never done before for your glory. And Father, I pray it all in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.